Hello and welcome to the 25th of July edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with kind permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team for this week's edition comprises Catherine Neal, Phil Lee and Jane Fires. John Plush is recording engineer and on copying and admin it's Carol Hartle and Sue Childs. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording this week. As always, we will include a list of useful telephone numbers, what's on, the headline stories, some general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then thought for the week, the sunrise, sunset times and the birthdays. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please just get in touch and we can add it to the birthday file. If you have any comments or problems or feedback, our telephone number is 01905 767 766. Please be prepared for an answer phone to take your call. Alternatively, just put a, wa- a note in your wallet. Listeners are kindly reminded to return memory sticks promptly to facilitate a smooth operation and use of resources. You'll only receive two weeks of recordings, and if either of these aren't returned, you'll not receive further recordings. But if you are unwell or have a problem, do just ring. Again, it's 01905 767 766 and leave a message. All our recordings are now available as podcasts via the Worcester Talking News website. Listeners are also reminded we have an extensive library of talking books. We have fiction, thrillers, romance, and uh, you can have a list of all the books that we've got in the library. That's provided on large print or hard copy or on tape. Leave a message on the same telephone number as before or pop a note in with your wallet if you are interested. And the books are available on tape or CD format only. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. As our regular listeners will be aware, the obituaries have now moved to the end of the recording. So if you are interested in hearing them, please wait until after the music and that's when you will find them. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to ring out. Now, police, non-emergency, 101. Crime Stoppers, 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub for Council Matters, 01905 765 765. Worcester Live, which has details of what's on at the Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall and Henry Sandon Hall. 01905 611 427. Malvern Theatres. 01684 892277. Samaritans. Now a free number. 116123. Here at Thank you, Jane. And so to what's on. Um, I do feel I should preface this with a reminder that 
it is only a selection of what is on and that you might want to ring the num- one of the numbers that Jane has highlighted for a full rundown of what is available um, in Worcester at the moment. So just a couple of things to draw to your attention. From Tuesday the 30th of July until Saturday the 3rd of August at the Swan Theatre, Worcester Operatic and Dramatic Society Youth Section, and there are 68 of them, they're presenting Back to the 80s, a musical featuring some of the biggest hit songs of the time. It's a 7.15pm start. Tickets are £14 if you go Tuesday to Thursday, £12 for the Saturday matinee and £15 for Saturday evening. And on Wednesday the 31st, the Worcestershire Rapids cricket team take on Derbyshire in their next T20 game, which should be very exciting. That's a 5pm start, so let's hope for dry weather on that day. If you are um, a Dylan Thomas fan, you can get in, uh, have free performance of the classic Under Milk Wood, as performed in the round by Malvern Theatre's Young Company at the Malvern Forum Theatre. The show will run from August the 6th until the 9th before transferring to the Edinburgh Fringe for six weeks. Free tickets can be booked via the box office on 01684 892 277. More theatre, this sounds lovely though, Saturday the 3rd of August, an outdoor performance of As You Like It will take place at Whitley Court. Gates open at 6.30pm for a 7.30pm start and for tickets call 0330-660-0541. If you're a beer lover, the Worcester Camera Beer, Cider and Perry Festival is taking place on Pitchcroft from the 8th to the 10th of August weekend. It's their 20th festival, so I suspect there'll be some good celebrations going on. And finally, a family event on Sunday the 11th. The local show is taking place in Gallivant Park from 2pm, celebrating the creativity and green-fingered skills of local people alongside a raft of entertainment and activities for the whole family to enjoy. Gallivant Park is on the um, Barbourne Road heading out of Worcester. The postcode is WR37AA. So that's a little snapshot of what's going on. We'll now move seamlessly to the headlines, if Catherine would like to read them out for us. So here's a list of the headlines in the last week. Friday, July the 19th, tributes to Quarry Death Teen Jaden. Saturday, July the 20th, appeal after sexual assault on female jogger. Monday, July the 22nd, festival ecstasy dealer spared prison. Tuesday, July the 23rd, house fire has left us with nothing. Wednesday, July the 24th, jumping to their death, question mark. And Thursday, July the 25th, police deny stopping teen because he's black. So I'll begin with the headline story for Friday, July the 19th. Tributes to quarry death teen Jaden. The family of a young man who tragically died in a quarry have paid tribute to him, calling him a legend. Jaden Clark's body was recovered from Shaver's End Quarry near Starport on Monday, July the 8th. Yesterday, police revealed his identity, confirming it was the former Bishop Perone student who'd been found in the quarry.
he died of a head injury before entering into the water. Jaden's family paid tribute to the 18-year-old from Tolodyne, who was studying motor mechanics at Heart of Worcestershire College, in a statement which said, We want to say how grateful we are for everyone's support and donations through the Just Giving page and to the divers that recovered Jaden from the quarry. Jaden is known as a legend and has touched so many people's lives. He was the most caring, kind and gentle person and everyone loves him. Jaden lived his life on two wheels and his bikes were his world. Funeral arrangements are 12 noon at St Barnabas Church on Tuesday, July the 30th to be followed by the Worcester Crematorium at 1pm. Since the news, members of the public have taken to Facebook to send their condolences and pay tribute to him. Natalie Gorman said, Jaden will be forever missed by myself and everyone else who was lucky enough to meet him. Rest easy, taken way too soon. Tegan May said, I will miss you so much. A Just Giving page has been set up to help Jaden's family pay for the funeral, which can be found at www.justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ride for Jay. A police spokesman said, formal identification has taken place and it's been confirmed as missing 18-year-old Jaden Clark that entered the water on the evening of Sunday, July the 7th. The body has been recovered by police divers from Northwest Police Underwater Search Team that have been helping West Mercia Police with the investigation. The post-mortem revealed Jaden Clark died of a head injury before entering the water. The death is not being treated as suspicious. An inquest into Jaden's death opened on Tuesday and has been adjourned, awaiting reports until February next year. And this is Saturday's headline... Appeal after sexual assault on female jogger. A jogger has appealed for help to find a group of teenage boys after she was sexually assaulted while running in Worcester. The Worcester woman, who cannot be named for legal reasons, said she felt violated after she was harassed by a group of four or five boys, with one of them groping her bottom, while jogging in Pitchcroft Racecourse. Afterwards, when the woman reached the car park, she saw a group of boys waiting there and took a photo of them, which she has shared with the Worcester News in the hope of finding the teenagers, who she believes may have information relating to the incident. She has reported the incident to police, who are now investigating and have increased patrols in the area. She said the assault happened at around 3.50pm on Sunday, July 14th, on the footpath close to the car park near the Swan Theatre. She said, I had my earphones in, but I was aware that someone was following me. The next thing you know, there was a hand on my bottom. I had tight running shorts on, so I was quite exposed. They were shouting at me, laughing and pointing their fingers at me. I felt violated. I just kept running. I was in autopilot mode. It was clearly designed to scare. It was upsetting and very creepy. I was humiliated. I felt dirty. It was awful, and I've been so down about myself since. She said there were four or five teenage boys harassing her, believed to be between 13 and 16 years of age, and wearing hoodies. The 46-year-old said the boys were cycling beside her for around a minute in total, while one of them performed wheelies in front of her as she was running. She said it was warm, so the fact that they were riding with hoodies on is bizarre. I would hate for it to happen to anyone else. It's the thought that it could escalate and get worse and worse. 
people need to be more vigilant and aware that there's a group of boys wearing hoodies on their bikes and they're going around touching women in an intimate area. The chance that I'm the only woman they have done this to is slim. If the temptation arises, then why wouldn't they do it again? I think the best way of preventing this from happening again is for the boys to read this and for them to realise what they have done. They shouldn't underestimate this sort of thing. It's not a bit of fun. This is something that really affects people and their life. The fun that these boys were having at the cost of making someone feel so scared and broken is just not worth it. Ian Wall, a detective chief inspector for West Mercia Police, said, We take reports of this nature very seriously and would like to reassure the community that we have increased patrols in the area. We would advise people to take care when out walking or jogging alone and be aware of others around them. Investigations are ongoing and I would appeal to anyone who may have witnessed this incident to please get in touch. Anyone with any information that could help with our inquiries is asked to call 101, quoting incident number 535S of 14th July. And this is from Monday, July the 22nd. Festival ecstasy dealer spared prison. A dealer who planned to sell ecstasy at festivals has been spared jail, even though the judge said the drug could have proved deadly. Jake Turner, aged 26, of Worcester, had hatched a plan to sell potentially lethal MDNMA, also known as ecstasy, at festivals to pay off a drugs debt. When his flat was searched, he had £1,500 in the high-purity Class A drug already divided up into deal bags, cannabis, magic mushrooms and £1,200 in cash made from street dealing. However, Judge Jim Tyndall decided to give Turner a suspended sentence at Worcester Crown Court on Friday, citing the impact a prison sentence would have on the defendant's family. This was despite the judge's own comments that the drugs causes deaths at festivals, and it also runs against sentencing guidelines, which stipulate that only in unusual circumstances should someone caught street dealing be spared prison. The starting point in the sentencing guidelines is a prison term of four years and six months. The decision would also appear to be at odds with remarks made by Judge Robert Jukes, QC, the recorder of Worcester, who said in February that he and his fellow judges at the city's Crown Court would jail people for dealing Class A drugs, a tough stance welcomed by a police commander. Turner of Cranham Drive, Warnden, admitted two counts of possession of Class A drug MDMA with intent to supply, one of possession of Class B drug cannabis with intent to supply, and a further charge of possession of psilocin, more commonly known as magic mushrooms, a Class A drug. Turner was stopped in his Renault Megane by police in Hanbury Road, Bromsgrove, on July the 3rd, 2017, and noticed a smell of cannabis. Michael Aspinall, prosecuting, said Turner's car was searched and officers found a man bag containing cannabis, a cannabis grinder and a block of uncut MDMA. His address was then searched 
and police found 50 snap bags with one gram of cannabis in each and 30 others containing MDMA. Mr Aspinall said there were numerous other bags containing magic mushrooms, which he said produced psychedelic effects. Two envelopes were found, one containing £500 and the other £620 and a further block of MDMA. The drugs seized were valued at £1,500. Mobile phone analysis also revealed texts about dealing. In interview, Turner initially claimed the drugs were for his own use and said he had paid £400 for MDMA to use himself at festivals. Turner was interviewed a second time after the search of his flat, telling police he had started using cocaine in his early 20s and had a growing and expensive addiction and had run up debts of £3,000. At 23, he had a heart attack and stopped using cocaine, but he was being pursued for the debt he had incurred before he stopped using drugs, said Mr Aspinall. In his basis of plea, Turner said he had been supplying cannabis to eight or nine friends in 2017 up until his arrest in July. When his son was born in February 2017, he was desperate to clear his debt by selling the Class A drug. (coughs) Mr Aspinall added he had bought MDMA a few weeks before his arrest with the intention of selling it at festivals, but due to his arrest, he had not been able to sell any. Turner had no previous convictions. The £1,200 in cash found at his home, the proceeds of his dealing, had already been seized by police. Barry Newton, defending, provided a plethora of references on his client's behalf, but accepted that the custody threshold had been crossed. Judge Tyndall imposed a two-year prison sentence suspended for two years. He also placed Turner on a three-month curfew over the festival period, which will run daily between 7pm and 7am. Turner must also complete 150 hours of unpaid work. He must also pay £250 towards costs. The headline for Tuesday, July the 23rd, House fire has left us with nothing. A couple are trying to rebuild their home after a freak fire wrecked their ground floor. Jazz Murder, aged 57, who lives in Bomford Hill, Worcester, was awoken by a fire which was caused by his tumble dryer, which he says had been switched off. He has no insurance because it was tied to the mortgage which he has paid off, and he says he is now £180,000 in debt. His ordeal started when he was woken up in the early hours of the morning after he could smell burning. He said, It was about 4am and I could definitely smell something burning. And I told my wife Mindy, but she said she couldn't really smell it. And then she sat up and said, Yes, that is smoke. I went to the landing and the hot air and smoke just hit me. Another few minutes and we would have all been meeting our makers. The accident caused smoke and fire to tear through the house, causing extensive damage to the entire ground floor and parts of the top floor. Mr Mudar said, straight away we got everyone out of the house. I can't believe it. It has left us with basically nothing. For this kind of accident, you can't prepare yourself. 
Since the fire on April the 28th, Mr. Madar, with the help of friends and colleagues, has been refitting and repairing the house as best he can, but he said he has decided the family will move out as a result. He added, It has been great that all our family and friends have helped us with the clean-up and getting the house back together again. We have decided we want to sell the house and move out. Even though we could make it safe, there would always be that sense of doubt and wondering if it would happen again. The report made on the night of the fire by Herefordshire and Worcestershire Fire and Rescue Service said the faulty tumble dryer was the cause of the fire. Whirlpool, the company that made the tumble dryer, is recalling tumble dryers sold under its Creda, Hotpoint, Indesit, Proline and Swan brands. The flawed dryers were all made between April 1st, 2004 and September 30th, 2015. The flaw is caused by excess fluff touching the machine's heating elements, which can cause a fire. It is not known exactly how the fire started. Right, the story for Wednesday, July 24th, is uh, headlined by the question, Jumping to their death. A call for hurdle span after the seventh horse fatality at the racecourse in a year. A A campaign group has accused Worcester Racecourse safety bosses of being inept after seven horses died during races in the last 12 months of the at the site, six more than over the previous year. However, the racecourse has defended its safety record. Six-year-old Colt, de Goodman Luke, was destroyed on July the 3rd at the Grandstand Road course, the seventh to perish there since July 2018, with Animal Aid labelling it a deadly racecourse. The horse reportedly pulled up injured after jumping a hurdle in the 5.20pm Pershaw Plum Festival Conditional Jockeys Handicap Hurdle and the campaign group has once again called for fixed brush hurdles to be banned. Dean Stansell, horse racing consultant for the group, called the deaths of these young horses totally unacceptable and said the sooner the hurdles are removed, the safer we believe it will be for horses. He said more traditional hurdles will completely flatten down to the ground on impact, while fixed hurdles have much less give and are more likely to cause injury. He went on to say, Animal Aid has consulted British Horse Racing Authority, which I'm going to read as BHA from now on, uh, as it believes the racecourse appears inept in dealing with this problem. According to figures on the group's Racehorse Death Watch website, the city's course saw no deaths between that of Lady Lunchalot on July the 18th, 2017, to Port Royal on July the 17th, 2018. The latter horse, Port Royale, collapsed suddenly after a national novice hurdle, according to trainer Anthony Honeyball, speaking to Worcester News last summer, who described it as a freak internal bleed on the lung. The six-year-old mare's death was followed swiftly by King Spirit nine days later on July 26th, who was destroyed after injuring a tendon. Ocean Jive was shot after a race on August 22nd, due to a four-leg injury, Sunday in the Park on September the 11th after falling, Eclat de Bief on October the 11th after breaking its near hind leg, and Barden 
on October the 24th due to an unspecified hind leg injury. To good man Luke, owned by Nick Murphy and trained by Jake Thomas Coulson, was being ridden by jockey Callum McInnes on ground described as good to firm. The horse had previously raced on May the 27th at Cartmel and before that on May the 4th at Utoxeter. Mr Stansell said the hurdles are, however, only part of the problem at Worcester. Summer jump racing at the course poses problems of heat stress and fast ground, both factors that can lead to fatalities, he continued. With four race meetings over the next five weeks, Animal Aid has serious concerns for the safety of the horses who will be forced to run and jump on this deadly race course. A spokesman for Worcester Racecourse said the safety, both human and equine, is of absolute and paramount importance at the city site, as it is across British racing. Whilst risk might never be eliminated in our sport, every fixture at Worcester meets the stringent safety and welfare criteria as set out by BHA. This includes our dedicated veterinary facilities, along with a team of independent vets, racecourse and stable inspectors, and our own team, who all work alongside the dedicated and hard-working members of racing staff who look after racehorses day day in, day out. A spokesman for BHA refuted Animal Aid's claims about summer racing, saying no race day fatalities have occurred as a result of heat stress in the UK. BHA also monitors injury rates to identify where any trends emerge and improvements can be made based on solid evidence as a consequence of British Racing's investment in safety, welfare and health the number of horses that have suffered fatal injuries in jump races has decreased by one-third in the last 20 years and stands at around 0.4% of runners, he continued. Faller rates during jump races have decreased to an all-time low of just 2.53%, a reduction of 30% in the last 20 years as a result of initiatives to make race courses and jump racing safer. The spokesman added that the newly created Horse Welfare Board has the remit to develop a new welfare strategy covering the whole racing in industry. The strategy will look across the whole lifetime of racehorses before, during and after they leave the sport. He said the Welfare Board has received no formal representation from Animal Aid regarding Worcester Racecourse and neither has the BHA. OK, um, Thursday's headline... Police deny stopping teen because he's black. Police say officers decided to stop and search a teenager because he was acting suspiciously and there had been reports of drug dealing in the area. But the boy's mother claims that he was targeted because he's black. Vanessa Santos said her son, Vanilson, 14, was riding his bike to St Paul's Church, Worcester, on Sunday morning when he was followed down the street by a police car. The teen got off his bike and entered the church where he volunteers on Sundays and was followed inside by an officer who subsequently handcuffed him, his mum claims. Miss Santos said, The police officer got out of his car, went into the church and arrested my son. He had his right arm grabbed and handcuffed. Members of staff asked the officers why they had cuffed Vernalson and they replied, He looks suspicious, Miss Santos claimed. She went on, they did this without even asking him, why are you here? He had been cuffed for no reason. Miss Santos went on to say, staff members explained that Vernalson was a volunteer and the police eventually uncuffed him and left without even an apology. 
She believes her son's skin colour was the reason for him being pursued by the officer. I think it is harsh the way they dealt with it, she said. There was no reason for him to be cuffed at 14 years old. What would you expect a young boy to be doing inside a church on a Sunday morning? I prepare my son and tell him that with our skin colour, unfortunately, we are labelled. I tell him that people will react in different ways. Some people will be nice to him, but others will not be so nice. I tell him to be calm and respect people's opinions and show that we are good people. She added, he was very embarrassed and distressed. Miss Santos, who is black Portuguese, said for Nielsen is well liked in the community, adding that he plays football for Worcester Raiders and has been called to play at West Bromwich Albion's Youth Academy. He's a normal boy. He plays football five days a week. Once a week he rides his bike with his friends. But he is not out on the streets. He knows to keep away from boys that smoke and drink. Miss Santos said she and her other children intended to join Vanarsen at St Paul's, which they have been attending for years, later on in the day in question. The teen had gone there early to help out. The Worcester News understands that police felt Van Alsen was acting suspiciously because he appeared to be hiding from officers and refusing to stop when asked to do so. Inspector David Troth said, Police were patrolling on St Paul's Street in Worcester on Sunday morning when they saw a member of the public acting suspiciously. Officers approached the individual to begin a stop and search due to both their behaviour and concerns about drug dealing in the local area. Shortly afterwards, officers were made aware the individual had legitimate reasons for being in the area and determined that no offences had taken place and grounds to continue with the subsequent search no longer existed. As such, the research was not conducted. The inspector went on to say, The primary purpose of stop and search powers is to enable officers to allay or confirm suspicions about individuals without exercising their power of arrest. Stop and search remains a legitimate way for police officers to prevent crime, but we acknowledge that it must be used sensitively and appropriately. West Mercia Police is committed to protecting all members of our communities from harm, and we aim to treat everyone fairly and with respect. Thank you, Phil. So that concludes the headline stories, and we'll now move on to some general stories. So, uh, Jane, if you'd like to begin. This one comes from Wednesday, July the 24th. Decision due on Road for Homes. A controversial plan to build 31 new homes on green space in Battenhall will go before council planners again to approve the new access road. Work is already underway to build the homes, including 12 affordable properties, on the old National and Government Officers Association Naglo sports ground off Battenhall Road. However, the height of the access road needs to be readjusted to prevent new residents from being able to look into neighbours' gardens. Councillor Louis Stevens, who represents Battenhall, called in a plan on the grounds of iron out the minor detail to prevent gardens in Battenhall Road being exposed. He said... I called this particular planning application in because it was a detail that I don't think was properly picked up when it was approved a few years ago. The people living in those 31 homes will be walking or driving past the gardens in Battenhall Road, 
and I don't think it's very fair that some of the people who already live there should have to suffer from a loss of privacy because of the height and gradient of the road. It's something that should hopefully be quite easy to fix, he continued. Whether it means the gradient of the road has to be changed slightly or whether some of the fences need to be made bigger, it's about finding a compromise. Highway bosses at Worcestershire County Council have already been in discussion with the affected residents. Permission was granted by Worcester City Council to build the new homes on the green space almost three and a half years ago. More than 50 objections were made by residents in Battenhall Road and Battenhall Rise, with many objecting to the principle of the development, the cramped design and the loss of privacy, as well as congestion and increase in parking in Battenhall Road and around the new development. The City's Council Planning Committee meets on Thursday. And the headline for this story is, We're Still Open for Business. Bars, cafes and restaurants stuck in the middle of busy city centre roadworks have sent out a reminder that the dug-up street is still open for business. Sidbury, one of Worcester's oldest and most historic streets, is currently being dug up as part of a major multi-million project to cut congestion, with pedestrians forced to snake through the roadworks just to get through. Frustrated drivers have already complained about the long tailbacks, but now businesses have come forward to send out the message that Sidbury is still well and truly open. Khalid Baij, supervisor at the King's Head, said the number of customers visiting the pub and restaurant had dipped since the roadworks began and had been relying on regulars for trade. He said he was hopeful visitors would pick up, especially as the summer holiday was one of the busiest times of the year. He said, we do seem to have had fewer customers in the last week or so. The roadworks have definitely stopped people from walking past as much, so with those kind of people just not coming in. Other businesses in Sidbury, including the Commandery, Paradiddles, Charlie's Cafe, Cookies, Custom Tattoos and Primo, have all reminded customers they are still open for business. Highways boss, John Fraser, said disruption was expected but the work needed to be carried out. The council has said most of the daytime work would be carried out during the school holidays to minimise disruption. A number of overnight closures are also due to take place. The work at Sidbury includes replacing a 50-year-old traffic light system, extending approaching lanes, approach lanes in City Walls Road and installing a new signal-controlled pedestrian crossing across Commandery Road. Thank you, Pippa. Uh, This story has got the headline, Old Pool Finally Set to be Demolished. An eyesore former city swimming pool is finally set to be demolished to make way for housing after work was hit by long delays when experts found more asbestos than expected. The derelict former Sansom Walk swimming pool, which closed in December 2016, was due to have been demolished earlier this year, but work was delayed due to a higher-than-expected amount of asbestos found in the building and buried in the ground. Councillors will be asked to approve spending an extra £832,000 on demolishing the former swimming pool next week, to go alongside the £750,000 the City Council has already received from the Government to support the work. 
Demolition would start in February 2020 and last eight and a half months until October if the proposal is backed by the Council's Policy and Resources Committee on Wednesday, July the the 31st. Extra work would then have to take place to prepare the site for future use, but it's not yet been decided whether the Council or a future developer would carry that out. That work would not be expected to be finished until at least February 2021. A number of surveys were carried out in 2017 to find out how much asbestos was in the building before the contract for the demolition work was put out to tender. Additional surveys in September last year found more asbestos than was expected. Councillors backed plans to demolish the former swimming pool in January 2017 after concerns the derelict site would become a target for vandals and trespassers. The City Council agreed to sell the site to Sanctuary Housing and YMCA in March last year and plans were revealed to convert the site into 22 two-bedroom shared ownership homes, 76 accommodation units for 18 to 35-year-olds, a business hub and a communal enterprise space. The Council is expected to work with specialist Gleeds to find a demolition contractor who would have detailed plans approved by the Council, the Environment Agency and Environmental Health and would be shared with the Health and Safety Executive before work begins. The next story is headed Actress to Accident and Emergency Nurse. A Worcestershire actress who has appeared in hit television series as a nurse has taken up a new role in A&E, having qualified as a nurse off-screen. Vicky Hall, aged 42, has appeared as a nurse in television shows Line of Duty, Coronation Street and Doctors, as well as hospital-based TV series Casualty, Holby City and Bodies, before deciding on a dramatic career change and training to become a nurse. Mrs Hall began her acting career at the age of 14, working a weekend job in a fish and chip shop to pay for her acting lessons. She eventually managed to get a part in CBBC series Biker Grove alongside TV legends Ant and Deck. After roles in theatre and occasional appearances as an extra, Mrs Hall managed to get a lead role in Channel 4 comedy series Teachers alongside James Corden and Andrew Lincoln, star of The Walking Dead. After Teachers had finished, Mrs Hall played parts in Derek with Ricky Gervais, The Bill and Shameless, as well as roles as a nurse in Line of Duty, Doctors and Coronation Street. Mrs Hall, from Bromsgrove, said, I frequently played nurses. Perhaps the universe universe was trying to tell me something. It just sounded fascinating and the sort of thing that would cause me to meet strange and wonderful people. I was right. The birth of her two children changed Mrs Hall's outlook on life and she decided working all around the country for long periods of time wasn't for her anymore. Mrs Hall, who works part-time at the A&E department at the Alexandra Hospital, hasn't given up her acting work entirely and still does a lot of voiceover work and advertisements. She said, I thought about what I would do next and decided it had to have all the excitement of acting, the need to really use my brain and that I would be in demand. Emergency nursing just fitted the bill. So I went back to school, did my GCSE science again, and when my children started school, I started my degree. The Alexandra is really busy and interesting as a hospital, but small enough that you get to know people easily. 
I love our emergency department. I'm challenged every day. We are always encouraged to train and keep learning continuously, always upskilling. And now, do bones belong to missing Brenda? Police have said human remains found in Kempsey could belong to a woman who went missing in 1982, named locally as Brenda Venables. The bones were found at the bottom of a septic tank by a workman carrying out maintenance, who then tipped off the police. Police have not revealed the exact location of the find, but this paper understands it was in Bestman's Lane. The grim discovery took place last Friday, and in the days since, police have been investigating the mystery. Officers have been checking the missing persons database and have said they don't believe the remains to be connected to the Met Police's missing person investigation for Susie Lamplew. In a statement on Thursday, Superintendent Damien Pettit, South Worcestershire's local policing commander, said... We are conducting a very thorough investigation and have multiple lines of inquiry to explore, and one of which is into the disappearance of a woman from Kempsey that was launched in 1982. Villagers have been speculating that the remains are those of Mrs Venables, who is understood to have lived in Kempsey and who went missing around this time. One villager, who did not want to be named, said... No one ever seemed to know what happened to her. She went missing one night. The family have never had closure. The West Mercia Police spokesman said they are treating the investigation as an unexplained death and are working to try and identify the remains in a bid to progress the investigation. Until we have formal identification, we are not in a position to link the remains to any particular person at this stage, the post spokesman added. The spokesman also confirmed they had not made any arrests. Superintendent Pettit added, This is understandably a concerning discovery from the people living in and around the village of Kempsey. Thankfully, findings of this nature are very rare. Well, on to something else fairly rare. Uh, The headline is Turtle Spotted in River. A kayaker was delighted to snap a photo of a terrapin in the River Severn, but experts say it has been released into the water irresponsibly. Robin Powell, who goes kayaking three times a week, spotted the reptile in the river near Worcester Boat Club on Saturday, but has apparently already encountered him several times over the years. A spokesman from Canal and River Trust said terrapins spotted living in canals and rivers isn't a new thing, as, quote, sadly people do illegally dispose of their pets into our waterways when they get too big to be looked after. Terrapins are usually purchased when only the size of a matchbox, but go on to grow up to the size of a dinner plate, they continued. We don't really have much evidence that shows that they have an impact on local wildlife, and they tend to live quite happily on the waterways, but they aren't used to our climate, so often don't survive a very cold winter. The spokesman said terrapins can be feisty and warned against trying to handle them as they can bite, but instead to let the trust know so it can be monitored properly. The most common species of terrapin found in UK waterways is the red-eared terrapin, with them being being a popular pet in the 1980s due to teenage mutant ninja turtles. 
It's unlikely that they're breeding, however, as the eggs need to be incubated at 25 degrees Celsius for around 60 days. And the article is accompanied by a wonderful photograph of the turtle, and it genuinely is the size of a dinner plate, and it is lying across a log in the middle of the river, and it looks like a shot out of the Amazon. So beware anyone walking along the riverbank for escaped terrapins. Catherine. Right, the next story uh, has got the headline, Drive-through date not set. A decision on when a controversial application to build a new McDonald's in Purdiswell will go before city planners is yet to be made. The fast food chain has submitted plans to Worcester City Council for a new drive-through takeaway restaurant at the former Harvester pub in Droitwich Road. But the proposal has faced fierce opposition, with hundreds submitting their opposition to Worcester City Council. Many have highlighted that if given the green light, it would be near the new North Worcester Primary Academy that is set to open in September. If it gets the go-ahead, the new takeaway outlet will be the fourth McDonald's in Worcester. The chain stresses it will create new jobs for the community. But Worcestershire County Council Highways and Worcestershire Department of Public Health are among the bodies recommending refusing the plans. The group against the drive-through launched a change.org petition, Stop McDonald's at Purdiswell. The petition lists the new school, additional litter and that it will attract antisocial behaviour to the area as reasons against the Purdiswell House scheme. Since launching in mid-June, the petition, organised by Claims Councillor James Stanley, has attracted 1,647 signatures. Meanwhile, the Worcester News understands representatives from McDonald's recently held their own petition and spoke to people in the city centre, collecting signatures from those in favour. The council's consultation finished on July the 7th and a city council spokesman said that its planning team says no decision has yet been made as to which planning committee meeting the application will go before. According to the next to, to the most up-to-date list on the authority's website, the next scheduled committee meetings are on August 22nd and September the 19th. Claims councillor Andy Stafford, who is backing the campaign against McDonald's, said he was not expecting the application to go before the planning committee imminently. Right. The next headline's in the form of a question. Shouldn't we have a sauce bottle statue? A giant bottle of Worcestershire sauce and a celebration of the city's most famous industries have been put forward as suggestions for gateway art installations on traffic islands. Worcester City Council is looking to place a number of sculptures on some of the city's busiest islands to spruce up the views for drivers travelling in and out of Worcester. Some of the city's most famous faces have been put forward to be immortalised in art, but discussions between councillors have thrown up several new suggestions, including a giant bottle of Worcester's most famous sauce. Councillor Richard Udall told the council's Environment Committee on Tuesday... I think it's about time we actually honoured the people of Worcester who worked over the years to ensure Worcester was a successful city. Councillor Udall said the council should be celebrating the city's glove and apple industry, boilermakers, Worcester porcelain, and even Kay's catalogue and Leon Perrins. He said, What would be better than a symbol for Worcester when coming off the motorway than a big bottle of Worcester sauce on display? There's the Angel of the North. What about the bottle of Worcester? 
Industry, trade, business and commerce is what has made Worcester successful over the years and the people who have worked in these industries are the people who should be honoured and respected in public art, not dead kings and queens. The Council's Environment Committee broadly supported six art installations dotted around the city rather than a single larger piece of art. Councillor Louise Griffith said the Council could open suggestions to the public. Money for the art installations would come from a £100,000 fund already committed by the City Council last year. Initial ideas include following a similar design to the life-size metal sculpture portrait bench installed near Diglas Bridge by walking and cycling charity Sustrans in 2013. Councillor Matt Lamb said, I quite like the trades. I think the trades is a really good idea. History is not just about individual people. It is about some of those nameless individuals who've worked in all those industries. I quite like the idea of a Worcester sauce bottle. I know it's not for everyone, but whenever I travel overseas and people ask me where I am from, if you say I am from Worcester, they're always associated with the sauce. Not my experience, Jane, but there it is. Well, now, Bake Off stars at festival. Now, this, that's this weekend, as a matter of fact. Stars of the Great British Bake Off will be appearing at this year's Worcestershire Food Festival. The stars will be at the festival taking place on Saturday and Sunday, July the 27th and 28th, sharing their culinary expertise and showbiz stories. The celebrity bakers will also channel their inner Paul Hollywood when they judge the festival's cake competition, which sees the county's best junior bakers show off their talents. And, of course, Worcester Food Festival is not just about cakes. The city will sizzle with more than 70 food and drink stalls, serving everything from burgers and beer to sushi and champagne. There's also a host of free family activities on offer over the weekend, including story time at the Hive, a pop-up park in Cathedral Square, where the free radio street stars will bring fun family games and face painting. Phoebe Dawson, chief executive of Worcester BID, said Bake Off has become a much-loved British institution – and so to welcome past contestants to the festival is a real coup, particularly to have them judge our junior cake competition and crown the lucky winner. The food festival has also grown in popularity every year. We have so many fantastic restaurants in Worcester, not to mention award-winning food producers and celebrated breweries, and we're delighted to showcase them in this fantastic free celebration of everything gastronomic. And the pop-up park is a not-to-be-missed attraction for the city, with a busy programme of free events and activities for all. Also on the menu throughout the Worcester Food Festival are cookery demonstrations, cocktail-making and drink-matching masterclasses, and plenty of sampling and shopping opportunities for local delicacies and artisanal goods. Great British Bake Off finalist James Hillary and 2016 contestant Val Stones will be appearing on the Saturday. Then Val will be back on Sunday, joined by 2018's Karen Wright. Their baking demonstrations will take place in Cathedral Square. Worcester Food Festival is held in partnership with Worcester Business Improvement District, BID, and Cocker Hoop Creative, 
For more information, go to visitworcester.co.uk slash food-festival-2019. Thank you. So, why we get a buzz out of bee swarms? Every year in the summer, someone will ring, so-and-so has a swarm of bees in their garden, would you like it? So I set off with a bee suit and a cardboard box to pick it up. A swarm of bees is one of the wonders of nature, and people's response to one landing in their garden varies. Sometimes you turn up to find people angry about it or frightened by it, but normally they are awestruck and want to share the impact it has made on them. I've never seen so many bees, they will say. The sky went dark. It sounded like a helicopter. By the time I get there, a cluster of between 10,000 and 30,000 bees is hanging from a branch or under a roof or inside a compost bin like an ominously buzzing pineapple. The bees need rehoming. The sort of location a swarm of bees will choose for itself in a city suburb, inside a shed or a chimney or under a roof, will bring them into conflict with the humans living in the same place. To avoid them being destroyed, I will coax them into my cardboard box and take them a few miles away where I have an empty hive waiting. A swarm of bees is looking for a new home and the hive is just the sort of place they're looking for. If I put the swarm on the ground in front of the hive, the bees will see the round in confusion for a few minutes. Some scouts will find the hive and report back to the main body and I will see a sense of order and purpose gradually coming over the confusion. A row of bees formed by the hive entrance, fanning their wings to encourage the others in. The mass of bees gradually turns as individuals towards the entrance and in they walk, for all the world like soldiers marching in formation. In a few minutes, they're in their new home, and I am struck, as always, by the wonder of it all. The sheer wonder of it. And that was an article written by Stephen Brown, Worcester Beekeeper, under the Green Matters uh, column that they have on Wednesdays. I thought it was rather nice to share it with you. Mm. Well, I've got another animal story. Oh. <laughs> this is not quite so um, sort of specific as that, really. Uh, snake shock as man watches TV. Uh, a man almost fell off his sofa when a snake slithered into his front room. Stephen Cox, aged 54, from Croom Dabito, was relaxing in the afternoon watching television when the snake slithered in. Mr Cox said, I watched it come inside and it went under the sofa. He was in the process of redecorating his living room and the skirting boards were removed. He added, I tried to get it out from under the sofa, but it had gone behind the plasterboard and I could hear it making a hissing noise, so it must have been stressed. I decided to sit quietly for about an hour... Then I noticed the snake pop its head out, and I was there with my fishing net to try and capture it. What worried me, although I'm not fond of snakes, was the fact it could be harmful. I managed to get it safely into a cardboard box with a piece of piping, and the snake didn't put up any struggle. Mr Cox then took what he believes to be a harmless grass snake to a nearby field to release well away from the public. Wendy Carter from the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust said, It's very unusual for a snake to enter a house or even a garden shed, 
because enclosed spaces like this would be an alien environment for them. If people do encounter a snake, we would advise that they leave it alone to vacate an area in its own time. Snakes are shy creatures, so it's unlikely that most people will ever see one in their gardens or in the countryside. They tend to remain hidden and only emerge to find food or to bask in the sun to raise their body temperature. We have two species of snake in Worcestershire, adders and grass snakes. The former are rare and declining in numbers, whereas the latter are widespread across the county, but still only found in small numbers. It's important to recognise that you're more threatening to the snake than it is to you, and that they will make every effort to escape. It's worth bearing in mind, of course, that captive snakes may escape, and so readers should be aware that if they see a snake within a house, it's more likely to be someone's pet. Right. Arthritis charity marks a decade from Wednesday's newspaper. Volunteers and members from a charity are celebrating their 10th anniversary. The Worcester National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society, hereafter NRAS group, marked a decade as members, friends and family gathered to celebrate. Susan Lima, aged 54, became a member nine years ago, shortly after it was formed in January 2009. Miss Lima from Worcester was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis 35 years ago. She said, It's been a long struggle living with my condition. I was medically retired from my job due to ill health because my joints were causing me so much pain. I was struggling to move and to do day-to-day tasks. I plucked up the courage to go to, the, to, to go to one of the NRAS meetings. I got a friend to take me there. When I arrived, I was greeted by Donna Saunders, who is the coordinator of the meetings. She was very welcoming and introduced me and my friend to the rest of the group, who were also sufferers. I can remember that evening because I was in so much pain that I was in tears, but I was also very glad that I went because I understood then that I wasn't the only one to be suffering in such pain. I have been going to these meetings ever since my first visit. Miss Saunders, who was diagnosed 23 years ago, said, As a volunteer for the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society, I felt there was a need in Worcester for pe- to support people living with RA. My aim for the group is to get RA patients, their families and friends, together to meet fellow patients. It's so beneficial to speak to someone else who really understands. Understanding and accepting the condition empowers you to self-manage and have some quality of life. Meetings are held on the last Tuesday of every other month, where there's a guest speaker who delivers expert advice. The next meeting will be held at the Lippard Hub on July 30th from 6.45 to 8.30. For more information, visit, and this is all small case letters, www.nras.org.uk forward slash groups forward slash Worcester hyphen NRAS hyphen group. This is about a fraudster jailed after shop scam. A fraudster hoodwinked nearly £300 in one day by confusing inexperienced city shop assistants when asking to change banknotes at the till. John Webster, who is appearing in court via video link from prison, was given an extra six months inside for his part in the scam, which was undertaken with an accomplice. The 31-year-old took money from Card Factory, Greggs and Savers in the Shambles, as well as Shakeaway in Pump Street and Asda in St Martin's Gate on April 26th. The largest sum of £146 was taken from Card Factory. 
while at Greg's, a specially made sandwich was ordered to distract the manager, who left the till in the hands of a younger staff member. Nicola Ritchie, prosecuting, said, All the offences had the same aim, with the pair asking for various notes to be exchanged from the till and doing their best to confuse the assistant. Nick Roberts, defending, said his client takes no point with anything said, but described the offences as quite amateurish, adding, it's not his fault if a manager leaves younger staff while he goes to check things. At the time, Webster had been out of prison for two and a half years, and, having lost just lost his job, had been told about the scam by a friend, and stupidly went along with it, said Mr Roberts. The court heard the defendant and his accomplice were arrested at about 2.30pm on the day of the offences and were found to have £355 in banknotes on them. Jane Stewart of the Probation Service said Webster had previously been recalled to prison in relation to a different offence and had spent six months unlawfully at large before being arrested in April. That prison term finishes in November. Webster of Waltham Cross, Hertfordshire, accepted five charges of fraud when appearing at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday. Stephen Webster, who is charged with the same offences, was not present at court and his hearing was adjourned until August the 8th. The Big Lunch with Sir Clive is a big hit, according to this headline. England's Rugby World Cup winning coach addressed business leaders at an event for charity. Sir Clive Woodward, whose England side won the 2003 tournament, was guest speaker at the Big Lunch at Chateau Impney near Droitwich. The event, run in partnership between the Herefordshire and Worcestershire Chamber of Commerce and Worcestershire Ambassadors, raised nearly £30,000 for the charities Wooden Spoon Worcestershire and the RFU Injured Players Association. Worcestershire-based accountancy firm Hayward Wright Group were the principal sponsors of the afternoon. Alistair Hayward Wright from the firm said, We're delighted to have supported such a fantastic event at the Chateau Impney and raised funds for two great causes. With over 350 people in attendance, it was a fantastic afternoon and with rugby legend Sir Clive Woodward attending. Neil Bettridge of Amros Events and Promotions, who delivered the event, said, I'm delighted to have brought together the business community from across Worcestershire and the wider West Midlands to enjoy a fantastic afternoon with Sir Clive Woodward. I'd like to thank Alistair and his team for supporting the big lunch and hope that there'll be many more to come. The generosity of our guests helped to raise just under 30,000 for two very worthy causes. Thank you to everyone who supported the afternoon. The RFU Injured Players Foundation supports players who sustain a catastrophic spinal cord or traumatic brain injury and help to prevent future injuries through research and education. Wooden Spoon Worcestershire have raised over 280,000 of funding to projects that transform the lives of disadvantaged and disabled children in the community. Um, this is an item from today, Thursday, July the 25th, and uh, on yesterday, Wednesday, um, there was a feature which actually talked about the council spending £560,000 on a master plan vision for the city. So the item that was published today is that readers have been having their say on the council spending this money and the nature of the master plan vision. 
Worcester City Council has made a new hotel and the potential for, for more car parking, as well as hundreds of new Riverside apartments, at the top of its agenda. The authority is looking to move the plans forward and has approved a number of studies that could become part of the major redevelopment of the Riverside area. Writing on Worcester News' Facebook group, Paul Harding said, Creating parkland on both sides with well-made information panels would be great. Panels explaining both the heritage and wildlife would be a lovely asset. Regular river or riverside events would be brilliant too. We really do need to link with the river again. Sylvia Herbert said, The idea of development along the waterside, with apartments in places such as Croft Road and South Quay, fills me with horror. All it would do is close off the riverside and views for the majority. Developers would be the big winners. Duncan Branchett said, Both sides of the river are unequally developed with regard to simply walking along it. On the west side, south of the city bridge, there are times when you can't even see the river due to the overgrown weeds on the riverbank. The east side is totally different. Whilst I love and appreciate nature, surely it can be tidied regularly. A reader on the Worcester News website added... I'm cautiously supportive of this, but Worcester for its size actually has very few reasons to visit it. Possibly Worcester's main attraction to tourists and residents is actually the unspoilt spacious riverside and the cathedral. I'd be very wary of approving more residential development along it. I would focus on developments elsewhere if we can't afford riverside works. Party time at the beach. Hundreds flocked to a lively farm-themed launch party at the Valley Evesham's Beach 2019 to mark the official opening of the summer attraction. The main attraction of the day was the special appearance of Peppa Pig as she waved to everyone while pink confetti showered the crowd and children's faces filled with joy as they saw one of their favourite television characters in person. Pepper was joined by a live country band as well as giant sheep and farm characters who sprinkled the day with farm-tastic magic. The party's theme was the perfect accompaniment to this year's giant sand pit which sits alongside a backdrop of purpose-built wooden tractors. Plenty of family fun was enjoyed in the tractor shed with pop-up soft play and games including indoor bouncy castles, go-karting and hook-a-duck. The tractor shed is helping to raise funds for Acorns Children's Hospice in Worcester throughout the summer holidays. The charity works incredibly hard to make everyday count for children with life-limiting conditions and for their families. Fiona Spear, retail marketing manager at the Valley Evesham, said, What a fantastic day! Peppa Pig was a huge draw for little ones and for their families. It was wonderful to see grandparents, parents and their children with smiles on their faces whilst enjoying a great family day out. We welcomed visitors from across the UK, including Warwickshire, Gloucestershire and Birmingham. The beach, weather permitting, and the tractor shed, open all weathers, is open daily until August 31st from 10 in the morning until 4.30 in the afternoon. And now back to crime. Purse theft at hospital. A burglar involved in a pickaxe raid on a Worcester home. (coughs) Excuse me also stole a purse from a volunteer at a Worcester hospital. Samantha Skibb appeared at Worcester Crown Court over video link from HMP Eastwood Park, where she admitted a single count of burglary and a bail act offence. The 38-year-old of Meal Cheapen Street, Worcester, admitted the burglary at a house in the city's Newtown Road 
on May the 11th this year with co-defendant Michael Repton, during which car keys were stolen. However, she denied a burglary at Mortlake Avenue, Worcester, on May the 15th, during which car keys and two charity boxes were stolen. These pleas were deemed acceptable by the Crown Prosecution Service and no evidence was offered against Skip on the Mortlake Avenue burglary. Skip also admitted failing to surrender to bail after she failed to attend a court hearing on June the 17th. We had already reported how Michael Repton, Skip's co-defendant, admitted three house burglaries, handling stolen goods, three frauds, possession of a controlled drug, class A, heroin, and possession of a controlled article for use in a fraud at a hearing earlier this month. The 33-year-old of no fixed address was jailed for three years by Judge Robert Jukes QC. The most serious burglary that involved the pickaxe, with Skip as the accomplice, took place at Newtown Road on Worcester on May the 11th. The occupiers became aware of a series of loud bangs and went downstairs to discover the window to their porch had been smashed, causing 150 to £200 worth of damage and keys taken. Officers found a pickaxe and broken glass nearby. The occupiers were at home in all three burglaries carried out by Repton. Rupert Jones, prosecuting, said Skip had already admitted further offences, stealing a purse containing £45 from a volunteer at Worcestershire's Royal Hospital on May the 11th and a bailout offence on July the 6th. Skip was due to be sentenced for this matter at Magistrates' Court on July the 18th. Skip took the purse, left on a nearby plinth by a volunteer, as she left the hospital. Judge Duke said all matters should be dealt with at the same time. Nick Berry, for Skip, said she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and PTSD and had been previously detained under the Mental Health Act. Judge Dukes adjourned the sentencing hearing at Worcester Crown Court to August the 8th, asking the probation service to prepare a report. Thank you, Jane. That wraps up the general news stories and we've now got a few sports stories to share with you. And I will start with one which actually, I think, crosses over between general news and sport. And it is about Worcester Warriors and their academic successes. Worcester Warriors lock Andrew Kitchener has finished top of the class, having graduated from Birmingham University with a first class degree in economics. Kitchener, who's part of Warriors' senior squad after coming through the academy, has been rewarded for four years of combining rugby with studying. I was pleasantly surprised, said Kitchener, who made 15 appearances for Worcester last term. With the marks I got in the previous years, I wasn't really expecting it. It has helped do my degree over four years rather than the usual three. It's given me a bit more time to channel all my efforts to getting the best mark possible. So it was really nice to come away with that. Kitchener is not the only Warriors player to have obtained a degree in the past 12 months. Locke Justin Clegg left Durham University last year with a degree in geography. And this summer, scrum half Michael Heaney, sport and exercise science at Ulster University, flanker Sam Lewis, sports science at University of Worcester, and prop Joe Morris, biomedical science at Oxford University, have also graduated. 
Developing skills away from rugby is something that all Warriors players are encouraged to do by Lynette Cutting, the club's honorary education officer. Lynette has made a big impact, Kitchener said. She makes the lads aware of what is out there and encourages them to get stuck into something away from rugby. It doesn't have to be a degree. It could be something more vocational. It's whatever takes their fancy. Not everyone will want to do a full-on degree, but it's good to take your mind off rugby and to test yourself in a different environment. Congratulations to Mr Kitchener. Here's another story about a young sports person. Olympic aim for European champ. Swimmer Matt Richards is targeting a place at next summer's Olympics after being crowned European junior champion. The 16-year-old sensation from Droitwich has been registering impressive times and winning medals on the big stage this year. Richards set a new national age group record in the 100 metres freestyle of 49.98 seconds at the British Championships in April. He lowered it with times of 49.91 and 49.50 at this month's European Junior Championships before a world-class swim in the final in Kazan, Russia. Clocking 48.88, Richards won gold in the seventh fastest time by any British male. The Worcester Swimming Club star picked up a 200-metre freestyle silver in 1.47.23. Only four Brits have gone faster this year and bronze in the men's four times 100 metre freestyle after an important third leg. He was competing against swimmers up to two years older than him. I'm so pleased with how everything went in Kazan, Richard said. Visiting Russia was an amazing experience and made even more special by gaining my first GB cap. I was really pleased with all my races and it was great to come home as European junior champion for 100 free, silver medalist for 200 free and bronze for the relay. Richards is preparing for the British Summer Championships in Glasgow that start this week, aiming to repeat last year's haul of seven gold medals. He will then have a rest before returning to action in September and focusing on qualifying for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Our next sport is cricket and the headline of the batting blues gives us the notion that this isn't going to end well and it doesn't. Worcestershire fluffed their lines after establishing a winning position at Gloucestershire. The second from Bottom County, I'm afraid that's us, Noves dived from 181 for five and then 229 for seven to 232 all out, while chasing 246 to win and lost by 13 runs. They are without a win in Specsavers County Championship Division 2 for eight games since mid-May, and this was their fifth defeat. Ryan Higgins claimed four wickets as Gloucestershire moved into the promotion places with this nerve-jangling success at Cheltenham. The visitors looked on course at 2-9 for 7 before Higgins struck twice quickly for a seam attack missing Matt Taylor due to injury. Gloucestershire took 23 points from the game to move joint second in the table while the visitors had to settle for 5. A gripping final day began with the hosts looking to add to a disappointing second innings total of 1-4-9 for 8, 210 in front and take some time out of the game. Worcestershire's bid to reach their target got off to the worst possible start when Darrell Mitchell edged a first ball from Payne through to wicketkeeper James Bracey. 
but Vessels then took charge of a second wicket partnership of 73, with Ferguson making a positive 42 off 44 balls, with five fours and a six. The afternoon session saw Barnard give Bracey a third catch. When Higgins had Ross White the LBW for a duck after several loud appeals had been rejected, Worcestershire were on 100 for four, and the game was in the balance. The cool head of Ferguson then took control, well supported by Cox, in a partnership of 81 in 28 overs. They'd taken the score to 146 for four and continued in the same way after the break, adding a th- further 35 before the latter blotted his copybook by driving a catch to mid-on off Bamba. Without left-arm Seema Taylor, Higgins, Bamber and Payne, supported by Smith and Benny Howell, stuck to their task valiantly, and when Ben Cox was dismissed, 65 runs were still needed. Leach and Parnell then looked to be closing in on victory when Higgins struck twice in one over. One run later, Leach, 15 not out, edged Higgins just short of Bracey, and amid almost unbearable tension, the game ended. It was in fact an excellent game, which this column doesn't necessarily convey. I went on Tuesday. It was bakingly hot and thoroughly enjoyable. Worcestershire are back in Vitality Blast T20 action at Lancashire Lightning tomorrow. That is tomorrow, because this article was written today, at 6.30pm. This is about basketball. And the basketball team at Worcester has a new coach. Matt Newby has been unveiled as the new head coach of Worcester Wolves, and he has high hopes ahead of the 2019-20 season. The experienced coach fills the void left by Tony Garbelletto, who departed in May after agreeing to take charge of Wolves until the end of last term, following Ty Shaw's exit. Newby was previously head coach and director of basketball at ex-British Basketball League outfit Leeds Force. He spent three years in the hot seat before leaving in 2017, but continued to lead the basketball programme at Leeds Beckett University. Wolves finished the 2018-19 league campaign on points with bottom club Surrey Scorchers. But Newby insists Worcester will be looking to return to the top of the league and contending with the very best next term. I'm really excited about the opportunity we have here in Worcester to further develop what is an outstanding franchise with storied history and incredible pedigree, Newby said. To return to the floor in the BBL is a privilege. This is amplified by the prestige of representing the Worcester Wolves and Worcester University. The fan base in Worcester is incredible, but not simply by virtue of numbers, but their passion and desire for success. I look forward to getting to know them. In 2019-20, we will be looking forward to returning to the top of the league and contending with the very best. So obviously the season for new people. Uh, This story is about a new um, signing at Warriors. The headline is, he'll surprise you. Annette and that's the name of one of the Warriors currently, is backing old schoolmate to shine at Warriors. Hooker Niall Annett reckons new Worcester Worcester Warriors prop Connor Carey is someone that will surprise people next season. Carey, 27, was in the year below Annett, 28, and scrum half Michael Heaney, 28, at Methodist College, Belfast. He also represented Ulster at youth level, where he played alongside the Worcester duo. 
The former school pals have now been reunited at Six Ways, following Carey's summer switch from Connacht. According to Warriors player profiles, Carey, who weighs 19 stone 11 pound and stands at six feet, is the heaviest tight head at the club. But Annette insists his new teammate is not just a big lump, as he believes he has the aerobic capacity to make his mark in the loose. I went to school with Connor, Annette said. He's a great guy and will fit in very well here. He is a big lump, but he's very fit too. He gets through a lot of involvements for someone of his size. Well, good luck to Kerry. <laughs> Here's a different kind of sport. Walking football. Worcestershire FA will host an inclusive walking football festival at the Hill Centre Upton on Friday, August the 9th. The six-a-side event, from 6pm until 9pm, open to anyone aged over 16, will be in support of the Bobby Moore Fund and Cancer Research UK. Walking football is aimed at encouraging older adults and those suffering from injuries to play again at a pace that suits them. To find out more about the festival or to register as a team or an individual, email ben.langworthy at worcestershirefa.com. Thank you. Here's another new appointment. Same old reader, I'm afraid. New Zealander is Stars head coach. New Zealander Melissa Bessel is the new Seven Stars head coach. Bessel will start a new role in September after taking over from Sam Bird, who moved on at the end of last season. She is to lead the University of Worcester and the University of Gloucestershire's co-owned team for the first time at October's British Fast Five All-Stars Championships. This is netball, incidentally. Bessel, whose coaching career spans more more than 30 years, told Stars fans that they could expect a side that would be dynamic, disciplined and fit with a smile. She said, I am hyper-excited to be taking on this role. Stars have done a fantastic job in the Vitality Super League since their inception and I am thrilled to be working with them. I've been out of the league in a head coaching role for a few years now and the time was right. Working with a young, exciting franchise while having the support of the Universities of Worcester and Gloucestershire was a no-brainer. My ambition for the coming season is to build a new culture and to play some dynamic netball while putting out some top-class performances. Bessel played for New Zealand Maoris and started coaching through the age groups in the national side in New Zealand who won the World Cup against Australia in Liverpool last weekend. She eventually coached the New Zealand Maori national team and then Fiji for two years before leading Wales from 19th to 8th in the world over four years while gaining Commonwealth Games qualification and gold at Netball Europe. Stars co-director of Netball, Anita Navin, said... A key priority in the recruitment process was to appoint a coach who had a strong tactical profile, and I'm thrilled we have secured Melissa. Her ability to develop individual players into a successful team has been confirmed on many occasions at performance level. I am confident she will take a game style fitting to take stars to the next level in the quest to be challenging the top four teams. Well, thank you, Phil. That concludes the sport for this week, and it leaves us just with... Uh, thought for the week, which Jane is going to do, and then I'll do the birthdays and sunset times. And this is from Mark 9, verses 36 and 37. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me.
And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Thank you, Jane. So uh, the sunset time for today is 9.11pm. Sunrise is at 5.19 in the morning. I would like to wish Ruth Riddell a very happy birthday for the 28th of July and Joan Lowe for the 2nd of August. I uh, hope you both have a very special day, respectively. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I would like to thank tonight's readers, Catherine, Phil and Jane, and the production team for all their efforts. And so it leaves me to say goodbye from me, goodbye from... It's goodbye from me, Catherine. And from me, Phil. And from me, Jane. And John is waving through the glass, so it's goodbye from him too. The obituaries for this week are as follows. Mavis James, Monica Mavis Vernal James, aged 83, died peacefully on Wednesday, June the 26th at Worcester Hospital. The funeral took place on Monday, July the 22nd at Worcester Crematorium. Annette Margaret Jenkins sadly passed away at St Richard's Hospice on June the 27th, aged 67. A funeral took place at Worcester Crematorium on July the 25th. Donations, if desired, for Mags Day Care for the Homeless in Worcester may be sent to AV Band 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR1 1UW. Graham Taylor passed away peacefully in hospital on July the 13th, aged 80. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, August the 1st at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the British Lung Foundation may be left at the crematorium or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Telephone number 01905 748811. Ivan Bullock passed away peacefully on July the 4th, 2019, after a short illness, aged 73. A funeral service will be held on July the 31st at 1pm at St Clement's Church, Worcester, followed by a committal at 2pm at St John's Cemetery, McIntyre Road. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Air Ambulance and Cancer Research UK may be left in the donations box provided or sent to AV Band, 1 Malvern Road, Worcester, WR24LE. Henry Alfred Lane, known as Harry, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital, aged 97 years, on June the 28th, 2019. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, July the 30th, 2019, at 11.30am. Mike Robinson passed away suddenly but peacefully on June the 28th, 2019, aged 78. The funeral service took place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, July the 25th. Inquiries to the Co-op Funeral Care, 01905 Rosemary James, aged 95 of Little Whitley and Crowell, 
Service at Great Whitley Church on Tuesday 30th of July at 2.30pm. Donations please to Great Whitley Church Restoration and the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust. David Watton passed away on July the 12th after a long battle. A celebration service of David's life will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, July the 31st at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the RNLI may be left on the collection plates at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70 to 70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. No black ties, bright colours by request, please. Brian David Whitcomb passed away peacefully on July the 9th. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium, Evesham Road, Fladbury, and the postcode is WR102QR. It will take place on Tuesday, July the 30th at 12 noon. Family flowers only, with donations to Kidney Research UK or Midlands Air Ambulance, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester. Please wear sports tops or bright casual clothing. Hilary Dawn Clifton, née Cook, passed away peacefully at home, surrounded by her family, on July the 7th, 2019. Funeral service is to be held at St John in Bedwardine Church, Worcester, on Friday, July the 26th, 2019, at 1pm, followed by private burial at St John's Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations to be shared between St John in Bedwardine Church and Alzheimer's Society. Mary Louisa Gardner of Perry Mount Care Home, formerly of Hollymount Road, died on July the 9th, 2019, aged 95 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium took place on Thursday, July the 25th, at 1.45pm. Donations, if desired, for Perry Manor Social Activities Fund may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Betty Hay of Besford, on July the 9th, 2019, in hospital, after a short illness aged 99 years. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on, July, on Wednesday, June, July, sorry, the 31st at 3pm. Family flowers only. Donations for Worcestershire Breast Unit Haven may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Rennie Hickling, Ron, ex Heenan, Slash St. Modwin, aged 90 years, passed away peacefully at home on July the 9th, 2019, after a long illness bravely borne. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, July the 31st, 2019, at 2.30pm. Family flowers only. However, donations, if desired, for St. Richard's Hospice may be left in the donation box at the crematorium or sent to Holland Funeral Service, Malvern, WR14 3LZ. Mm-hmm. 